0: Hey guys, we have a new giveaway this week. Thanks to our partner Beta, we will be giving away the Luxum Weighted Blanket. Did you know that it's scientifically proven that weighted blankets can cause chemical changes in your body to help you relax and sleep better? By increasing serotonin and melatonin, the Luxon weighted blanket helps you sleep better and gives you enhanced mood. It also decreases cortisol levels, which helps to reduce stress and anxiety. We're giving away 5 of these weighted blankets this week to our listeners. All you have to do is enter the giveaway at www.mission.org/giveaway, and we will be giving away 5 of these to our lucky listeners. Welcome to Mission Daily. This is part two of a two-part series on philanthropy and digital transformation. Ian is joined by Lauren Woodman, Chief Executive Officer of NetHope, Rachel Hutchison, Vice President for Corporate Citizenship and Philanthropy at Blackbaud, and Lisa Eckenstam, Executive and Project Manager of Technology for Social Good at Avanade. This two-part series is made possible by NetHope which is a consortium of nearly 60 leading global nonprofits and is responsible for delivering over 60% of all annual, international, and non-governmental aid. On this episode, we continue to dive into the importance of technology in the nonprofit sector and how nonprofits can remain relevant and competitive through tech.
1: Welcome to Mission Daily. I'm Ian Faison, Chief Content Officer here at Mission.org. We have our Philanthropy Tech Roundtable Part Two. Really excited to chat with you all today. Lauren, how are things?
2: They're great. Um, you know, I think there's not probably not a more exciting time to be engaged in this work around how we bring the power of technology to solve some of these big challenges that we're we're all facing. So thanks for, for teeing up the conversation.
1: Yeah, well, we just talked about NetHope for uh, for about forty five minutes uh, on our on our part one of this, so it's really exciting to chat with you, um, Rachel. How are you?
3: Hey, I'm great. Thanks for having me.
1: And Lisa, how are you? Yes, very good. Thank you. I'm delighted to be here. If we could just share really briefly, kind of what each of your organizations do and how you uh, how your role specifically impacts that. So, I guess Lauren, we'll start it off with you.
2: Thanks. So, NetHope is a It's an organization that's been around for for almost 20 years. And our focus is helping committed organizations change the world through the power of technology. It's a consortium of nearly 60 global nonprofits. It's a big footprint. We're collectively about 60% of all annual international aid that's delivered through nonprofits. and, And we partner with about 50 technology companies that are committed to helping nonprofits do their work more efficiently and more effectively.
1: Awesome. And and Rachel, tell us a little bit about what you're working on.
3: Sure. So I'm Rachel Hutchison, and I lead corporate social responsibility for Blackbaud. And Blackbaud is the world's leading technology um, company that offers cloud software um, for social good organizations. So that's all we do. That's all we focus on. So we've been around for about 40 years. And we work with individuals, all different kinds of nonprofits, funders, and also companies um, to power what we call an ecosystem of good. And Lisa.
4: Yes. Hi. So I'm Lisa Leckinsam. I work for Avanade, uh, which is the leading digital innovator on the Microsoft ecosystem, the Microsoft platform. Um, At Avanade, I am, am the program manager for our quite recently established Technology for Social Good initiative. Uh, and in addition to that, I also am the European marketing lead for Avanadas.
1: Wonderful. So I'd like to talk about the Center for Digital Nonprofit. Um, Lauren, I think m- maybe you'd be the best to speak on this. Uh, we talked a little bit about it on part one, but um, I'd love for you to share with our listeners, um, you know, what is the Center for, for Digital Nonprofit?
2: Thanks. And, and I appreciate the opportunity to talk uh, to talk about the Center for the Digital Nonprofit. It's been a huge initiative that we've undertaken over the last couple of years in partnership with some of the companies that you talked to with on the the first and then of course with BlackBot and with Avanade. We launched the center to help global nonprofits navigate digital transformation, to help us reimagine and transform, you know, how the sector is delivering aid. It's it's hard in the private sector. Digital transformation is difficult in the private sector, and it's also difficult in the nonprofit sector. And so through the center, we're able to to bring together learnings from both sides and the expertise from the technology companies to help us accelerate the delivery of the missions of our organizations and achieve better impacts around the world. And the best way to think about this is maybe a difference between sort of traditional And the way that we see traditional nonprofits and digital nonprofits, you know, traditional nonprofits start with processes that are automated by technology and that are used by people. You know, what is it we're trying to do? How do we bring technology to that? And and how do I, as an individual, you know, make that happen? Digital nonprofits really turn that on their head and they start with people changing the way that they work through redesigned processes that have been made possible by technology. So it's really about starting with people and what are we trying to achieve? What's the good we're trying to do? And then what kind of structure do we need to put in place in order to support that work and the amplification and scale of that work around the world? And that's how we get to a greater impact through the work that, that nonprofits do. And that's what we're trying to enable through the center.
1: That's incredible. And I think, you know, I'm so glad you made that distinction because it's such a critical time right now. You know, we we talked on the previous episode about you know every company is a technology company now. Um, every company there's that core amount of money they spend every single year just on digital transformation on their technology stack on how they can build a better experience. And you know, traditionally, nonprofits just you know haven't had to do that, but now they do. This is a challenging thing. Is there anything particularly that the role of technology that digital transformation plays, Rachel, in in your organization?
3: We've actually, blackbud has been going through its own digital transformation, as you would expect any technology um, company would. You know, when I began at the company about 28 years ago, you know, we were selling DOS solutions and then we were selling Windows solutions. And now we've been completely kind of, um, in a, you know, transformed from the inside out by our CEO, Mike Giannone, to be this cloud-based um, software company and provider. And that completely fundamentally changes how we work on the inside. Any organization has some of those needs. And, you know, as Lauren was noting, nonprofits typically hadn't functioned that way in the past, but neither did business. So nonprofits, like all other organizations, deserve innovation, the power of technology, and the incredible scale that it can bring. And this is really what we, we work on with them every day. Um, and it's really to have, you know, to save money, to have leaner operations, and ultimately invest more around the reason they exist, which is their missions. And, and for us, you know, we think about it um, not just from an organizational level, but also empowering individuals. So organizations want and need um, digital transformation. But in this environment of new power where, where people are putting, taking causes into their own hands, they also need to be equipped to go out and do what they do with the power of technology right there with them.
1: And Lisa, you know, I'm curious, what do you think that these technologies are doing in the nonprofit to, to have a greater impact. You know, one of the things that we discussed previously was like this idea that, you know, it's potentially hard to get funding, right? It's hard to get funding, you know, for things that are working on the organization, not necessarily that direct impact, but it's super critical uh, to have it in the organization.
4: Yeah, I mean, it's it's a really good point and it's a really important one, especially given the fact that I think more often than not, nonprofits and their stakeholders see digital transformation as a luxury that they can't potentially not afford. And, you know, they're facing many challenges from slowing donations to less resources, fewer volunteers. And we also know that nonprofits are sitting on mountains of data and information that they're struggling to unpack and, and to drive insights from. But while these are challenges, I think they're exactly why nonprofits need to invest in digital transformation. So if you look at some of these issues um, sort of independently or, or one by one, we know it's getting harder for nonprofits to raise every dollar that they need from donors. But by giving donors and potential new audiences a better experience, it could also possibly reverse this trend and and increase donations. So everyone today is looking for experiences which are seamless and making us, you know, make us feel good, are easy to uh, go about. So the use of digital technologies can actually achieve this in ways not possible before uh, in the whole giving process. And I think likewise with volunteer management, we know that many nonprofits, including many large nonprofits are using quite old and often manual systems to manage their volunteers. Um, This can be quite labor intensive, it's costly, time consuming, and it's not necessarily a good experience for organizations or for their own volunteers. And again, I think digital technology can here be used to quite a, a great effect through simple tools such as apps, um, which can enable these organizations to manage requests, maybe more in real time with their volunteers and for volunteers to communicate more quickly and, and more easily when they're available and, and, and again, respond in, in real time um, as emergencies arrive. Maybe a third one is that the, the prevalence of smartphones uh, in the people that organizations serves, meaning they need to look at how programs and services are delivered digitally. The way they are delivered needs to be transformed to be more efficient, more effective. Um, so, so these are all quite simple examples, which can uh, very quickly, I think, deliver efficiencies and cost savings to these organizations, but really they're just the tip of the iceberg because another area where we see huge potential for nonprofits is around data and artificial intelligence. We know that nonprofits have mountains of data on all, all manner of subjects, but they've been historically quite been unable to extract useful insights from their data not unlike uh, commercial organizations as well but if you can imagine a scenario where collaboration between a number of of humanitarian organizations working in the field are able to track cases of of ebola for instance or any other um, potentially lethal disease and by sharing data extracting insights from this data uh, they'd be able to predict where and when an outbreak is more likely to occur and then this insight could enable them to to take precautions and, and have be uh, ahead of the uh, the scenario and have medical staff and aid at hand and implement more preventative strategies to stop that outbreak from occurring. So I think the impact potential here is huge in particular in the, in the um, sphere of data and, and AI.
1: It reminds me of the cholera outbreak in like the 1800s that, um, and I forget the, the guy's name who did this, but he singled out like based off of like like literally hand mapping the city to figure out that there was one location, there's one water well that was spreading, was like the cause of, of spreading cholera and he took off the uh, uh, like the handle so nobody could use it, you know, between a million other factors. But that was one of them that helped reduce the cholera outbreak. We now have that opportunity to do that digitally at scale. But if you were to go to your donors and say, hey, we're using your money to build an app, you might have a lot of pushback potentially. You know, Lauren, I'm curious like what are some of the best practices or success stories that you've seen from NetHope of being able to leverage technology?
2: Yeah, it's a great question and, you know, I think in the I don't want to push back on your question, but to push back a little bit on your question, you know, the the your your point is a very valid one. Sometimes if you go to a donor and say we want to develop an app you know, they're like, whoa, hold on a second. You know, what we want to do is solve the cholera outbreak, not develop an app. And even if you can get a donor, um, and there are a number of forward-looking donors, even if you can get a donor to say, oh, I understand how that app is going to help us um, stop and and bring to bring to a halt the cholera outbreak, it's very rare that you're going to get the donor to be able to um, understand that they also need to to pay for not only the app development and the deployment of the app and the resulting um, efforts to, to stop the cholera outbreak, but the training for the staff that's involved, the infrastructure to host the app, the changes to existing data um, bases internally to, you know, track information and integrate that information into um, existing data sets so that we can use advanced tools like AI and machine learning to figure out how to, to prevent cholera outbreaks in the future. There's lots of great examples where we've seen technology do amazing things. Whether it's, you know, drone delivery of of vaccines, or it's, um, you know, using cell phone data to stop malaria outbreaks, um, or to speak to cholera in a, in a modern sense to look at at flood data um, and where roads are washed out, which is turns out a pretty good indicator as where cholera outbreaks are gonna are gonna pop up in the future. So there's lots of really good examples. I think the, the challenge that a lot of us in the nonprofit sector see, you know, that, that we are still really challenged by is not the episodic use of technology to solve a given problem or to build technology that is that helps us with a particular issue or in a particular geography or against a, a particular crisis. It is the support for the consistent um, integration and, and capacity building at every level in order to get transformation in the sector so that those things don't become, frankly, noteworthy, but they become the way that we do business and that they become the way that we deliver aid because that's the way that we're going to get to scale and we're going to get to real impact.
1: So do you think that, you know, certain organizations, and maybe, Rachel, you could speak to this too, that there are certain things that technology has done to, you know, potentially shorten the grant making cycle or, you know, figure out cloud fundraising solutions or things like that.
3: Sure. So, I mean, what Lauren and Lisa were, were both talking about is is really that need. It, it builds the case for why you really need a technology partner. There are things that nonprofits are wonderful at and very focused on. And the tech partner is the one that comes in and almost relieves a burden and provides expertise that they can't be as focused on all the time, whether it's how they're going to leverage AI, how they're actually going to bring their data together to solve a problem, and how when an innovation is created, it's not just used by that one organization, but brought to others to help create scale and, and how others are addressing that same problem. And so, hey, you know, I'll give you, you asked about grant making, I want to give you an example, um, just a, a basic one of technology. So the American Diabetes Association puts millions of dollars every year in um, in funding for research to help people who are living with diabetes live better lives through the results of this research. And They have a a very complex grant making process. It's very rigorous. They get up to 1500 requests in this one cycle. And just through applying um, a technology solution that is available to them, they're able to reduce a cycle that took two weeks, 300 reviews down to 30 minutes. And that is just, it's just removing noise and time from a cycle that is very important, but doing it much more efficiently. So there are a lot of examples of things like you would think out in the the business world that you would do to reduce the burden on your staff, but still do quality work that you can apply in a nonprofit setting, and that's not just a need with the American and Diabetes Association, it's a need across many other organizations. But there's another example that I think, um, sometimes resonates really well with people. They can, they can really understand it because everybody knows about the ALS Ice Bucket Challenge. And it's, you know, years old now. Everyone knows about it. But that challenge, that almost happened to them. It could have been a crisis for the organization. They didn't start it. At some point, they decided they were going to help promote it. And, and the quote unquote campaign ran for about five weeks. And they had to instantly, Basically, go from I think they were getting eleven thousand dollars in donations on an average day, and that jumped to something like eleven million. They hired a, a mailhouse to open their mail. They had a phone bank to answer their phone, and then we at Blackwood were standing with them with a team of people to help their their technology have instantly have more capacity for that five week period. And one of one of my um co-guests on this podcast mentioned that sometimes nonprofits get in trouble for investing the money that's being donated. People hold them, you know, they're, they're shocked they would have to do that. There are, of course, infrastructure costs. And so they had to do this while not spending any of the money that was coming in. They couldn't add new people officially. They couldn't be looked at, at being um, seen as being frivolous in any way. And so they had to bring all these partners in to instantly help them scale up. And then when the, the noise kind of died down, to scale back down. And that's a role that a technology company can really help them do. And then look at, you know, what are we going to do all with all this data? that we now have going forward. And that could have been an incredibly overwhelming event. It could have completely crashed their website and shut them down. It could have made them impossible to reach. And technology, with the expertise of those leveraging and around it, really helped it become something very positive.
1: I love that. That's Every every company's uh, both dream and nightmare is uh, the website crashing, right? And I, I think you're totally right. It's like, you know, we prep so much on disaster response, but we don't prep our uh, our digital assets for disaster response when uh, something good or potentially bad happens. I mean, the other piece of this, you know, is the security piece. I mean, this is it is table stakes to make sure that our donors, our people that we're serving to make sure that they're protected, that they you know, PII and all of that is 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 taken care of?
3: Well, so just to add quickly add on to that, and I would love to hear what, what others have to say, we have a, at Blackboard um, a very focused cybersecurity program. We also have a very focused data privacy program, and we do operate in other countries, so we've worked a lot through GDPR, but it's very important for us, particularly as a cloud-based provider, to make sure that every piece of data is handled appropriately, that we are providing the highest level that we possible to our customers. So that's become more and more important every day just as a, as a business in general, but in a business as well that deals with um, donor data. And sometimes others in the world don't understand why we can't do things like just give them our data to analyze, to do reports and, and figure things out with. And it's, it's very sensitive. You have to be very, very careful because it is our customer's information.
4: Oh, absolutely. I mean, this is, you know, critical for all organizations, nonprofit and commercial, in today's world. And um, it's, you know, security is something that is uh, an area where we work very heavily with all our clients um, and uh, see that we can bring our expertise to the nonprofit sector as well. I mean, the data ethics is going to be um, key uh, in the nonprofit sector as, as a key challenge that these organizations have to be able to um, handle. Like for all organizations, the technology part, I think, is, is though not the cheapest, it's often um, the easiest to solve. And I think uh, in many ways, what's really important for nonprofit organizations to understand, along with all companies, is that the harder parts are often, I think, uh, around change management. So managing culture, people, process, um, and, and how do things, how do processes change when, when an organization is undergoing a digital transformation? How do people's roles change? people are very resistant to change, maybe less so senior management where change, where the change is often driven from and, and, and the more junior workforce is often more receptacle to change. Um, but I'm sure we've all heard of the frozen middle, right? They're this group of uh, often middle management who are, for a variety of reasons, either don't want the change or are slow to adopt change. And this can often, I think, be the greatest challenge um, that organizations face. And I think, I guess, a, a unique challenge in the nonprofit sector is the justification of the actual transformation. So we touched upon this um, earlier, but there's constant pressure of ensuring that the maximum amount of funds go to help the, the beneficiary. Uh, but sometimes that viewpoint can be, you know, detriment to the long-term efficiency and effectiveness of the organization and ultimately affect the impact uh, a nonprofit is able to make.
1: So it's like this golden ratio that actually isn't impact focused, right? It's like optics focused because you see people lead with that. It's like, well, 87% of our funds go directly to the people. Like you see that a lot in, in marketing copy. And it's like, that doesn't, that's not an impact statistic, you know, like it, it really isn't. It's not, if one organization is more efficient with their money than the other one organization digs 100 wells for the same cost that it takes to, you know, for another to dig 70, that's a much more valuable, you know, metric. I'm curious if there's any things like that, that kind of are problematic industry wise that might be solve leveraging technology.
2: I think you have hit the nail on the head in, in terms of thinking about that sometimes those metrics that we see in the marketing copy are not the ones that actually in, are not necessarily good indicators as to the quality of work that an organization is doing. And this made a good, a, a very good point, you know, that the, the desire to shift money to, you know, frontline operations at times is admirable. And it, I mean, it's always admirable and it's always a good, you know, it's a, it's a, it's the thing that organizations are designed to do, but, you know, from a strategic perspective and looking at the life of an organization, just not in the next three months or six months or nine months, but really saying, what can we achieve over the next five years or 10 years? Sometimes that does require investments to be made internally um, in an organization that may affect those metrics that, you know, we all love to see um, or cringe when we see in marketing copy. And and I think that's really where, you know, the sector and its partners and its supporters um, really have to take a look and say, okay, what does good investment in technology look like? And I think, you know, this is a place where we at least have invested a, a fair amount of energy in terms of looking at benchmarking and assessments so that organizations can see where their strengths and their weaknesses are. We bring that together with the insights that we get from our partners like an Avanade or Blackbot and their experience in the sector and their work with the private sector to say, Okay, then what are the right levers for us to be moving? You, you could throw an inordinate amount of technology at any given problem, but what's the right way to look at the right technologies to support the right kind of outcomes? And then how do we measure that? Because you're right, you know, on a surface level, it seems way better to dig 70 wells with $100 than it does to build 10 wells with $100. But if if I told you that those 10 wells were more sustainable than the other 70, that, you know, they were supported by, you know, good hydrologic research and that they were part of a broader initiative to also support, you know, good nutrition and economic development based on the availability of water and to support small shareholder farmers in that community, then how do you start to measure whether the 10 are better or the 70 are better? And so it's it's really incumbent upon us when, I mean, we're talking about affecting human lives. And when we talk about how we improve the lives of people who are already living in marginalized scenarios, I think it is a disservice to them to reduce it to a cost analysis basis. It's a challenge for us in the sector to come up with better ways to measure those outcomes, but we're doing a disservice to them and frankly to the people who are doing this work and who are mission-driven and those who support them. If what we're trying to do is just to get to a cost basis of saying, you know, 87% of our budget goes to program versus 92%, there's more to it than that. And, and I think we have an opportunity, frankly, because of the disruption and the constructive destruction that's happening as a result of, of technology to really take a step back through this process and say, what is it that we're trying to achieve? How do we get there? And, and how do we all work
4: together in order to affect that change? I think that's a really good point, Lauren, and and I think this is where um, net hope initiatives such as the the D three uh, program, the Dream Design Deliver, and the Idea, um, I think it's it's being renamed to that, can really help. It's all about taking that step back, as you say, and and um, thinking bigger and, and thinking sort of digital transformation as opposed to um, uh, maybe more siloed um, efficiency efforts, uh, and these these programs, so so D three or or Idea, they they bring to hold together whole teams um, of these organizations with uh, members from the CDM, such as, such as Avanad and, and others who can then bring a range of skills beyond the technology itself, skills such as advisory um, to help these organizations take a more strategic perspective on issues and ensure that the right approach is put in place to manage change over a, a longer period of time. We talked about change management earlier. It's clearly uh, something that's that's very critical and and um, what we've experienced with some of the organizations we work with is if we bring new um, approaches and ways of, of um, thinking, in particular, we're, we're employing a lot uh, of times a, a design thinking approach, uh, a user centered approach, it can really help nonprofits face some of their issues and, and, and drive solutions that are um, sort of thinking differently, more innovative to, to really scale impact and, and map out that longer term, uh, more strategic path.
1: Lauren, I'm curious how, you know, with the, with the final few minutes we have here, I'd like, you know, from your perspective, how can technology companies do more philanthropy and then for Rachel and for, for Lisa?
3: Technology has so much power to drive social good, and it's really been at the heart of what BlackPod's been about since we were founded in 1980. Um, technology, you know, is really bringing forth lots of transformative ideas and change and impact. Um, so I would say that it's much broader than philanthropy. It's much, much broader than how can tech companies give and how can tech companies volunteer, et cetera. It's about thinking about how you bring technology. And for us, it's, re- it's not just technology. We're about technology. We're about data. We're about expertise. We're about insights. We're about all of those things kind of wrapped together. So what do you offer? How do you bring this expertise and these tools and solutions together to help the organizations you're serving do more and be more? And that's, you can do that from a social good perspective and be about the solutions you offer, not just about what you give. It's also about how you operate. It's about how sustainable you are as a business, how you invest in your people and how you invest in your community. So it's that kind of full circle profit purpose loop that is not just about philanthropy. And I think we're seeing definitely more and more companies, not just technology companies, take that view in part because the people who work for them care about that and are seeking that in their employers.
1: You know, Lauren, any final thoughts on what's the future for NetHope? What what do the next, you know, five to 10 years look like? I know you don't have a crystal ball, but...
2: There's always fun in sort of speculating where we might go, right? I mean, and I think the really interesting part about... Being in a position like this, you know, and working with great partners um, like the ones on this call and in your in your first round of this, and working with all of our members who do such incredible work around the world is you know we collectively as a community do not have small aspirations you know we we dream big and and it is that that desire to have a significant impact on the world um, and improve the lives of billions of people around the world, even in small ways that I think drives people, you know, to, to do the work that they do every day. And then frankly, to do the hard work of digital transformation inside their organizations through partnerships, through, you know, moving their private sector companies to, to think differently about how they might partner with a, with a sector that at times can be frustrating to work with and vice versa, frankly. So, you know, I think at the end of the day, the thing that drives all of us, whether, whether we come from the nonprofit side, whether we come from our partner side, um, or whether you come from the NetHope side in, in particular is, you know, our desire to do good better. You know, there's a lot of good that happens in the work that nonprofits do. There's a lot of good that happens in the work that private sector partners do. But together, the potential for that impact and the potential to do that work more efficiently, more effectively, and with greater impact, I think is both inspiring to us and the exactly the right kind of challenge that we can actually meet if we do it all together.
4: And and I think for companies that you know, want to do good and, and, and contribute to the sector, I think it's it's really important that it that it comes from the heart of the company and that it aligns with the business strategies. So what do I mean by that? I mean that it can't just be an add-on or, or a tick in the box, um, uh, something the organization needs to do because someone in HR or somewhere um, thinks that this is this is the right thing to do. It has to be about the business value, the company's vision for the future, and the business strategy. So, for example, at Avanade, our brand positioning is all about, uh, it's around human impact. Uh, we want to achieve a human impact. It in everything that we do, not just with our nonprofit clients, uh, but with our commercial clients as well. And it's what drives us and it's what motivates our people. So when, when several members of our leadership team got together with uh, Microsoft about a year and a half ago to discuss launching technology for social good, it was very much aligned with this mission. And I think to quote our, our um, CMO, corporate citizenship strategy needs to be connected to the brand essence of the organization and focus on what the company and the people are passionate about. Um, so I think my advice to other companies who want to, uh, or are looking to incorporate some kind of giving back or, 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 doing good, it needs to ensure it aligns with the deepest culture and values of the organization. Um, so that it looks authentic and is authentic in terms of how we go about delivering it.
1: Okay. Any other, uh, any other final thoughts before, uh, before we get out of here this has just been absolutely awesome and, and we're so excited to, to follow along kind of going forward and, and especially see what what happens in that hope over the next five years
3: I just want to say thank you for convening this. this has been a great conversation
1: yes thank you so much awesome talk soon Mission Daily and all of our podcasts are created with love by our team at mission.org we own and operate a network of podcasts and a brand and story studio designed to accelerate learning Our clients include companies like Salesforce, they're a customer times five, Twilio, and Katera who work with us because we produce results. To learn more and get our case studies, check out mission.org slash studios. If you're tired of media and news that promotes fear, uncertainty, and doubt, and if you want an antidote to all that chaos, you're at the right place. Subscribe here and to our daily newsletter at mission.org. Each morning, you'll get a newsletter that will help you start your morning and your day off right.